welcome to episode four of Just Hit Play. I'm your host, Peter, and with me is my co-host, Nick. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Happy to be back. Happy to be recording again. It's been a good week so far. How about you? Uh, yeah, everything good here. It's winter time. I was, uh, as we talked about in the last episode, I was in Chinchilla, and it was zero degrees at 6 a.m., Oh my goodness. I know. It was fantastic. There was frost on my window. I had to defrost the window. It was. Uh, Did you have to break out the parka? I wore a sweater and a beanie. Okay. Okay. Wow. I wish that's the extent of what we had to wear in the winters here. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was so much fun to be at that temperature again. It was. Uh, my, my coworkers weren't liking it as much as I was, but that's okay. That's okay. You just got to tell them, you know, back in Canada, we'd be walking like, you know, five kilometers and three feet of snow and, you know, all that. Got to give them that perspective, right? That's exactly right. Absolutely. And uh, Nick, you sound so much better this week. So you picked up a new microphone. Yes, yes, I did. Uh, Shout out to my roommate and good friend, Will. Uh, He he helped me pick out a a really nice microphone. Yeah, I feel like a real podcaster now. I got to be honest. Nice, nice. Yeah. Feels official. You sound great. And in our Brisbane studios, our engineer is Darren. Darren, how's it going? I didn't get down to zero degrees in Brisbane, but it's colder and I don't like it. Yeah, Australians do not like the cold. It's It'll be, I think it's about nine or 10 degrees right now. And people will be walking around with like parkas and beanies and gloves and stuff like that. Oh my goodness. Uh, but I will say this, it's in defense of Queenslanders, the houses here are freezing. So my house is probably like three or four degrees inside the house uh so because there's no central heating wow houses are built to be cool in the summertime so in the wintertime it's quite it's much colder inside the house than it is outside yeah that is wild three to four degrees inside like i i like yeah. having a cold house but that is way too far for me yeah so at night i'm wearing like jogging pants socks a sweater just to go to bed um so, cause yeah, the house is quite cold. My goodness. It. Yeah. That's a bit too much for me. I also have uh, some exciting yeah. news to share with, uh, with, with you and whoever's listening. Do it. Um, I bought my first concert ticket post pandemic today nice. and I am so pumped. It feels like return to normalcy and I'm, I'm so happy about it. Who are you seeing? Uh, I'm seeing Thundercat. Uh, I'm not sure if you've oh, ever nice. heard of him. I have heard of Thundercat. Yeah, he is awesome. He should be putting on a fantastic show. He's like an incredibly skilled musician. So I I can't wait for that. I'm going to be counting down the days already. So I'm guessing that you're, if I remember correctly from your Facebook posts or your Instagram posts, you are fully vaccinated or are you still waiting for your second jab? Uh, yeah, I'm still waiting for the second dose. They just announced today, actually, that the timeline's getting moved up, right. but it should be coming soon. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we're not, uh, I haven't been vaccinated yet. Uh, Australia's a little bit behind because because we don't have much of coronavirus here. Yeah, the, the vaccine rollout has been really, really slow. Uh, well, on that note, let's move on to our song. Yeah, yeah, let's let's go for it. So I believe uh, you're going first this week. I am going first this week. Now, I'm very excited. Uh, we're going to listen to Common People by Pulp. Uh, one of my all-time favorite songs. This, to me, is the great... I know, we t- I know we did Britpop last week, but I had to put in one more Britpop song, and then we'll give it a rest for a bit. This is, to me, the greatest Britpop song of all time. Uh, in 2015, Rolling Stone magazine actually named it the greatest Britpop song of all time. And uh, Darren, let's uh, let's spin this uh, track for about 15 seconds, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. She came from Greece. She had the thirst for knowledge. She studied sculpture at St Martin's College. That's where I. She told me that the 
exploded. I said my case in my room with Coca-Cola. She said fine. That was Common People by Pulp. Nick, before we get into it, what did you think? Yeah, well, I loved this song. I think this is probably my, my favorite song that you've shown me so far to date on this podcast. Um, yeah, it like instantly, like for my first listen, it was going in all my playlists and it's kind of just been, you know, in the rotation um, for me the past week or so ever since uh, I first listened to it. Yeah, I really liked it. You know, my my brief rundown is um, like I know it's from the 90s, but right away I got like an 80s vibe from the keys and vocals, just the way the song kicks off. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. So I'll give you a little bit of info on this song. It's It was released in 1995. Prior to this song's release, Pulp had been around since the 80s, but uh, they were sort of a, a, you know, a critic darling. They really didn't have a lot of hits to, the, to their credit. They were a small band up until this song. This song is sort of what put them on the map. It went to number two on the, um, the British charts. And this is what sort of propelled Pulp into uh, the iconic status that they currently have. One, the first thing you'll notice about the song, which was written by Jarvis Cocker, the, the lead singer of Pulp, is the story he tells. This is a very common Pulp song where where it's a story. It's The song is based on something. Very typical. I think that that was like one of the aspects I appreciated the most about it was, you know, the themes and meaning behind the story he's telling are fantastic. And like just the whole idea of telling the story of, you know, an upper class person who wants to quote unquote, like slum it and live like the commoners. Like that's a really cool and interesting lens. And I feel like that's something that's more prevalent than we may think, but like, it's not really something that ever gets talked about or that a light gets shown on. If you if you say that Pulp has a lot of songs like this where they tell a story, I'm definitely going to have to listen to some more because I appreciated that a lot. Yeah, uh, Class, uh, well, the, the name of the album that this came from is called Class. And Class is a very interesting topic in the UK where you have like the royal family and the posh society and then then sort of it sort of just goes down from there. Where, where we grew up in Canada and not so much in Australia where everyone's pretty okay with everyone. There's There's really no big deal about anything. In the UK, class is, is very prevalent. Uh, and this song, it just typifies that. It, it, it just sings about, you know, different class structures and how certain, you know, segments of the population have it easier than others. Yeah, and one uh, part of the song that I, I found the most, you know, it, it really struck home the most and really illustrated the point they're trying to make is um, when he says he took her to a grocery store and told her, pretend you have no money, and she just laughed. And like, uh, and thought that was just absurd. Like, how am I supposed to pretend I'm not loaded? <laughs> you know, um, and I, I thought that perfectly encapsulated the song. And also, you know, one of the, one of the points I really got from from the song is they're trying to say that uh, for wealthy people, something like trying to live like a common person, it's it's almost like taking a vacation in a way where you're just a tourist um, on this lower class journey. But actually, being lower class or middle class or whatever. It, that's something that you know runs deeper and is institutional and it's more than just like you know what grocery stores you're going to or you know what bars you're going to like that's something that's a part of your entire identity and that's why no one can really just step in and, and say like okay i'm a common person now you know whatever uh, really good analysis from this song there's there's three weird facts about the song that i'm going to go into okay the first one was uh jarvis cocker said that this was actually based on a real person there was a documentary crew that try because in in the song they talk about she went she studied sculpture at St. Martin's College yeah 
which is the same school that Jarvis Cocker went to. So a documentary crew went in and looked at all the um, the yearbooks from that school to try to find this Greek girl. Wow. And they presented, it was like, was it this, like they actually had an interview with Jarvis Cocker and, was, and they, they had all these suspects. And it was like, was it this girl? Was it that girl? And he said no to all of them. Uh, so the question then begs, is that a true story or not? Or is that just the lore of Pulp? Yeah. The second one, and this is one of the reasons why I love Jarvis Cocker so much, is in the late 90s, Michael Jackson was at the Brit Awards receiving a, receiving like artist of the millennium or whatever it was. And he was doing his messianic thing with children all around him with wind machines and like smoke machines. And it was just really weird. And Jarvis Cocker went on stage and showed his bum to everyone. <laughs> so he mooned, he mooned the entire audience and the TV and he was quickly grabbed and rushed off stage. Tackled. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, he just said he couldn't take it. It was, it, it was just ridiculous. He didn't like what Michael Jackson was, was, was trying to do. So that's, Another reason why I love Jarvis Cocker so much. He, and he was so afraid afterwards that he thought a Michael Jackson fan or fans might try to kill him. So he went into a little bit of a hiding thing after after this concert because uh, of the hatred that that he received from, from Michael Jackson fans. I believe it. I, I'm sure Michael Jackson had shooters um, lined up if need be. Oh, yeah. He was he was a weird fellow. He and that's my third, my third favorite thing about the song, and it's the coolest thing ever, is that it is part of one of the most ridiculous, fantastic cover songs of all time. Oh. Darren, play a bit of the cover. She came from Greece. She had a thirst for knowledge. She studied sculpture at St. Martin's College. That's where I caught her eye. Was that? Do you know who that is? Was that? Do you know who that is? William Shatner? It is William Shatner. <laughs> what? Why? William William Shatner in 2004. Do you know who Ben Folds is? No, I do not. So Ben Folds is like a, a, he's a lead singer of a a band called Ben Folds Five. He's a piano player and a producer. So in 2004, he got William Shatner to do a cover album of all these different songs. And that was one of the songs that, uh, that uh, William Shatner covered. That's amazing. I I had no idea that William Shatner, uh, you know, had a side gig doing <laughs> cover 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 songs. That's pretty cool. If if you ever want to amuse yourself endlessly, type in Leonard Nimoy and Lord of the Rings. Okay. If you ever want to just like think you're on drugs, just type <laughs> just just type that in. And uh, Leonard Nimoy sings a song about Bilbo. It it is amazing. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that one out. I'll put it in the Facebook post if anyone wants to not understand how this happened. But he wrote a song about Bilbo Baggins. Do you think the like the Star Trek checks were starting to dry up for William Shatner, and that's why he had to do this, or do you think he actually just like you know has had this long dream of of being a musician? It this was around the same time. Now, do you remember when? Um, Johnny Cash came up with an album and he, and he covered the, uh, the nine inch nails song. Hurt. Oh yeah. That was about the same time. So I don't know if Ben Folds was doing a Johnny Cash style thing, but his idea was to get William Shatner, uh, instead of like a, an old country singer or an older singer. So yeah, he, he went with William Shatner. So I don't know if it was around that same time. I don't know if there was any coincidence with that, but that is one of the greatest cover songs of all time. Very cool. I'll definitely have to check that out in full. Uh, no, you, you, you don't have to, no. 
Okay. Maybe not. Maybe not. The Leonard Nimoy one, though. That sounds interesting. It is It is truly bizarre. And I'll, and for anyone who's on the Facebook page, I'll, I'll put a link to that um, to that song on the Facebook page because it's 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 fantastic. It's from like the late okay. 60s. So Leonard Nimoy would have been on Star Trek by that point. Yeah. And he would have been writing his Star Trek fame. Star Trek really didn't get famous, truly famous until it went into syndication when like my generation, Generation X was just raised by TV. Uh, so that's when Star Trek really became famous because there was only like two and a half seasons of Star Trek, the original Star Trek. Uh, it wasn't until it went into syndication where, you know, people could come home from school and watch it that it really became popular. Hmm, that's very interesting. Uh, yeah, so Leonard Nimoy, would have, this would have been the late 60s. Uh, and for some reason, he thought it would be a good idea to have Go-Go Girls and write a song about Bilbo Baggins. I, hey, whatever, whatever made him happy. Whatever, whatever made him happy. Yeah. So I've got a quick question Shoot. for you regarding this song. Shoot. So uh, I f- found out that uh, Pitchfork listed this song as number two in the best songs of the entire 1990s. And now I, I know that you've already said you think it's the best Britpop song ever. But do you agree with it being placed that high? and just like all songs released in the 90s it is my favorite pop song from the 90s just for its sheer brilliance i think that to me this song is the perfect pop song it's it has everything as a a catchy hook it's an interesting story it's a good song to me it's the perfect pop song i don't know if i don't know if i'd call it my favorite song from the 90s but it is my favorite pop song from the 90s okay okay cool final question for you um, this song, would you say it was indicative of like, you know, what was the popular sounds of music at the time it came out? Like, was this kind of, um, like the gold standard for pop at the time or, you know, was it more of a throwback or even ahead of its time? Maybe. I think that was the, what was great about, about the nineties. So this was, this song came out in 95. So this would have been a couple of years into Brit pop, uh, grunge had faded away. Grunge had died. So it was in the middle of the decade and, and anything was sort of possible. Like, uh, the the grunge had how do i explain this to someone who didn't grow up in the era in 1990 the year before grunge the number one albums were mc hammer and vanilla ice <laughs> the, the trailblazers of rap exactly mariah carey like the amount of it was all like it was mc hammer vanilla ice mariah carey whitney houston was huge there was really no good music that kids liked these were all I'm, I'm guessing kids liked MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice, but like kids that were like me, like I didn't like any of that kind of stuff. We like the bands I was into was like REM, like U2, but U2 hadn't put an album out in a while. So there was, there was nothing, there was nothing for us to listen to in, in that. 1990 is like the worst year for music, I think. And then 1991 grunge happened. So you had Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Screaming Trees. Uh, you had all these bands come out. Then REM, put out their best album. You two put out Octung Baby. Bruce Springsteen put it out, put a, put a really good album out. And it just cleared away. It, 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 you know, Poison was huge in the, in, in the late 80s. I don't know if you know what Poison is. Uh, yeah, I think my dad's played some Poison. Yeah, th- your dad's got terrible taste in music, by the way. <laughs> oh, um, no. <laughs> that one is specifically out there because he told me, he, he said he didn't want to hear my voice in the podcast. But he does have terrible taste in music. Uh, all I got to say is honeymoon suite. Why anyone still listens to honeymoon suite is, is, is bizarre to me. But anyway, uh, so there, there was like these bands like poison and like these really hairspray bands and grunge just cleared it out. 
so by the time 1995 came up, anything was possible. The, the, the slate had been, you know, wiped clean and music was really interesting. Like you had nine inch nails coming around. You had rage against the machine, uh, pulp. You had the Brit pop scene coming through. Like we talked about elastic and Oasis. Uh, yeah, so nineteen the the, the mid nineties was really really fun time. You could you could listen to anything. I really like that. It's kind of like a a little mini musical renaissance. You know it, what's really funny is that in nineteen when I was listening to grunge, I thought it was so unique and so like so wonderful. But it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I realized it was just really seventies music. It was it was just it was just Deep mm. Purple and Black Sabbath and. And that kind of music, just with fuzz boxes in, in on a CD rather than a, rather than vinyl. Grunge really wasn't as as epic as I thought it was at the time. Well, I'm sure that had something to do with you know the the age you were when you were listening yeah. to it and what was going on and in the culture and and whatnot, things like that. Like that that all factors into our enjoyment of music. You know, the cultural zeitgeist at the time and and just the, the atmosphere and everything going into I that. I think, if I'm not mistaken, when nirvana happened i would have been 18 19 years old so it was it was a perfect time for, to be a teenager very perfect yeah. timing so no i'm really glad you like that song it's it's one of my favorite pop songs so yeah that's great that you liked it i i did i i genuinely really enjoyed that um i'm a big fan of like 80s new wave that type yeah. stuff and um it, it kind of struck that same chord it for is, me. it is definitely so, a, yeah it is really definitely a new it. wave inspired inspired song so if you're if you're down i'd like to move on to yeah. my song because i am so excited to hear your yeah, thoughts go, go um, for call it. the police by lcd sound system all right so uh, i'll give my usual context um if anyone is unfamiliar with lcd sound system um number one i suggest you change that but number two um they're a quote-unquote band and what i mean by that is they're led by a guy named james murphy and he produces the music entirely by himself alone in a studio surrounded by instruments and keyboards and monitors and he just locks himself in there and makes um, dozens of songs and then he recruits a band for live performances this is what kevin parker the man behind tame impala also does so uh they've been active since the early 2000s um but uh retired in 2010 like every band does um and then they came back six years later and they dropped this song as a as a lead single for their new comeback album um so lcd sound system they were like really big in like the new york uh, club scene they made a lot of dance tracks um stuff like that and then this song was kind of a little bit of a departure it has some punk vibes some post-punk influences um yeah so if you haven't listened to it yet Please go do that right now. And uh, Darren, why don't you hit us with a snippet from Call of Police? What did you think of Call the Police by LCD Sound System? There is not an LCD song that I don't like, and this song is up there. It's what a song. Um, the groove is amazing. The wall of sound. And and I think one of the, the things that I love most about LCD Sound System is the bass. The bass just kills it in the song. It's such a nice groove. I love this song. Yeah, so you you told me you're familiar with LCD Sound System, but only kind of their earlier work, like you hadn't heard I had their not, comeback no, album? No, no. 
yeah it's it's fantastic definitely recommend checking it out it slots in perfectly into their discography um and yeah i'm I'm really glad you like this song and what makes lcd sound system so special for me is what you mentioned the wall of sound like it's it's entirely just a puzzle and you know each instrument is just uh you know it's it just makes up to combine in this wall of sound that is fantastic and you can start picking apart different instruments and paying attention to them in the mix and you're you're just thinking like oh my god this guy is killing it right now on you know the drums or the guitar or the synths or the bass line like whatever it is it's <laughs> everything is so good and so crisp you, you you got it you got it spot on it's so you can hear every instrument it, it's it's recorded so beautifully even though there's a wall of sound it's not overpowering you can hear the guitar you can hear the drums you can hear the bass perfectly and and any synths that that are there you can just hear it perfectly yeah and um and what i really also like about the song is it was kind of a microcosm of the time it came out uh it was released in early 2017 and it really touches on what the frontman james murphy what he saw reflected in the world at the time so you know you've got these feelings of unrest rebellion political tension, you know, stuff like that. And I think that really shines through in, in the song. And it's, I think a perfect choice for their, you know, their big comeback single, you know, it's, he's kind of saying like, yeah, we've been gone a while, you know, world's kind of gone to shit, but here you go. This is our music now. So let me ask you a question. When did you first become aware of LCD sound system? Like I've known about them for a while. They're, they're a bit of an older band. So what was your introduction to them? So I was, um, I would have been 14, and uh, I, you know, I'd been listening to Arcade Fire, um, their Reflector album. And I was like, this is so good. I love this album. I need to find more music that sounds like this. So I Googled, you know, albums that sound like Arcade Fire Reflector. And uh, LCD Sound System popped up. I found out that James Murphy actually produced quite a bit of Reflector by Arcade Fire. So, you know, I was intrigued. I heard the song All My Friends by LCD Sound System, and I've been a massive fan ever since then. But yeah, like you're, I, I see where you're getting at with that question. Like I am definitely younger than the average LCD Sound System fan, you could say. Well, I had no idea that he actually produced uh, songs on that album because that song Reflector is a great example of a wall of noise, but still so melodic and where you can hear a, a lot of the instruments. Yeah, he produced that one uh, specifically at a big hand in that in that song. Yeah, Reflector happens to be probably my favorite Arcade Fire song. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. They LCD sound system. Something that always gets brought up about them is that they wear their '80s uh, new wave talking heads in particular influences on their sleeves, and that's not really as present in this song. You know, I'd say this song is more along the lines of you know punk and Bowie and whatnot. But in a lot of the rest of their discography, you just hear talking heads like shining through. Like personally, that that's what got me into talking heads. You know, I was like. Oh, everyone says Talking Heads sounds like LCD Sound System. Let me check them out. And, you know, I I love them now and and everything. But where I'm getting at with this is I I always wonder, bands like the Talking Heads, what kind of music would they have been making if they had access to the same production technology that, you know, people have nowadays? Like, can you imagine if they were able to just sit in front of a computer and pull up all these kind of digital instruments and presets and effects on the spot? Yeah, it, it, that that really begs the big question: would it would have gotten in their way? Because uh, Talking Heads started in the punk scene, so they would have been playing CBGBs in New York City with like the Ramones and Blondie and things like that. It was a new wave punk band, sort of. Yeah, so it would have been really interesting to see what 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 the Talking Heads would have been if they came out now. Yeah, I I can only imagine. I think they would have gone 
in just like a super experimental, um, not to say they weren't experimental, but I think they would just be way further out there if they were to come out nowadays and they would be a really niche band. That's, that's, that's just my impression. I don't know. Um, so my next point, uh, and what I wanted to discuss is I, I saw LCD sound system live in 2017 on their uh, big comeback tour for this album. And first of all, it was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. It was sold out crowd air Canada center. I was, you know, front row right up against a stage, not a big deal. I was just completely awestruck by the amount of equipment and like instruments and keyboards and just like just everything that they had on stage to recreate the songs. Like we, we were talking about the wall of sound that it sounds like and the amount of instruments in the mix and seeing that translate to a stage show, a live show where you're not able to just track everything separately into a computer. Like that was spectacular. I can only imagine how they, how they were able to pull that off. What I'm kind of getting at here is the idea of one person just sitting in a studio and making these songs all by themselves. What do you think of that? And was that a thing in the 80s and 90s or not really? Was that more of a rarity? I think you got it when you said Tame Impala, when you mentioned Tame Impala earlier. They're definitely a band that, or a guy that sort of does that as well. Uh, the one that springs to mind who did everything would be uh, Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor. The band is Trent Reznor, really. And obviously he has performing musicians with him when they go on tour and stuff. But I don't know how much you know about Nine Inch Nails, but it's pretty much just Trent Reznor. Yeah, I don't know much of them. Um, I know, you know, of their legendary status. And nowadays, Trent Reznor, is, he's making all these movie soundtracks and, and composing for movies and winning yeah. awards for all that. Um, I've always been interested in Nine Inch Nails, but not really. I've never really taken that leap to, like, you know, discover them for myself yet. Um, but I think I will sooner rather than later. How about this, Nick? I was going to pick a Stevie Wonder song for our next one, but let's hold on to Stevie Wonder. Why don't we pick a Nine Inch Nails song for next week for you? Yeah, that sounds great to me. I'd, I'd love to uh, get exposed to them because I've, I've heard so many good things about Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor. And we're not going to pick uh, one of their hits. We're going to go a little bit, we're going to go deep cut in one of their first albums too. All right. All right. That sounds good to me. I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, LCD Sound System. What a band! Like that song is so good. It it, yeah. it just it just builds and builds. Like a lot of LCD songs, uh, a lot of LCD songs. It's it starts off really melodic and it just builds and until it's just crushing. It's fantastic. Yeah, if they if they ever go on another tour and they they come to Australia, you have to prioritize seeing them. It's it's one of the coolest experiences that I've ever been a part of. Yeah. No, I um. I haven't seen a show in a couple of years, so it'd be good to, uh, let me rephrase that. I've seen a lot of local bands, but I haven't seen like, uh, like a big touring act in, in a couple of years. So that'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I highly recommend it. Uh, Darren, we totally forgot to get your take on the first two songs. What did you think of common people? Yeah. Common people. I've always loved that song. It gets stuck in my head and I'm humming it for days after I hear it. And yeah, the other one was a nice new song I've not heard before. Uh, two really good songs this week i think so i think so hopefully the viewers agree listeners <laughs> all right listeners yeah podcast right unless you have people in front of you right now no no studio audience tonight uh by the way my dream is uh, one day for us to do this together in in you know in in person together that'd be a lot of fun oh i'm sure we'll make that happen yeah whether i'm sure we will whether you're here or i'm over there so that's that's still one of my uh, goals is to record a couple episodes together yeah, listeners, uh, watch out. 
watch out. Uh, speaking of, different when that happens. Speaking of which, I was looking at some of the stats for for our podcast, and we actually had a listener from Frankfurt in Germany. So, hello, uh, oh, no guten Tag. I think that's how you say hello in uh, in German. And we actually had um, a listener from Stockholm in Sweden. So, I don't know how to say hello in Swedish, but uh, uh, hello, thank you. They speak yeah, a lot of English. Thank you, in Sweden. thank you for listening. That's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, really so, cool so stuff. I, th- I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and I just want to reiterate, like I do every week, uh, you know, extend our thanks and appreciation to everyone who takes the time to uh, to listen to these episodes we're putting out. It's it's been really really gratifying to to get the support from everybody, and um, yeah, it's it's been really nice. So thank you very much. And uh, please send us an email if you have any questions, or if you're a new band and you want to be featured on the podcast, uh, send us an email to what's the email address, Nick? The email address is just hit play seventy three. Zero zero at gmail.com and you can follow us on facebook at just hit play podcast and the instagram page is just hit play podcast too i believe is it not uh yes that is correct and i just wanted to end off with a little teaser for next week next week's episode um you've been able to escape modern day rap so far but i think i think that's about to come to an end so um get ready that's all I'm going to say. All right. Can't wait. Uh, and please go on Spotify. And uh, if you want to hear these songs in full, we have a Spotify playlist called uh, Just Hit Playlist. You can find that on Spotify. Uh, to finish off, we have a song from a local Brisbane band called Bad Neighbor. Uh, I photographed Bad Neighbor uh, a couple months ago. They were playing a small little gig here in Brisbane, and I really liked the band. I thought their energy was absolutely amazing. Uh, so this is a song from Bad Neighbor. Take it away, Darren. I could be the killer in somebody's story But I don't have it in me I lose track of my pace So I carry on so carefully And I can feel the pressure But still I will not go When the world explodes I'm seated right here on my own Array and an all little 
Everything's on fire It's a reckless state Full of passion for hire It's hard to stay